Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, where we have a city of books. I'm Jeanette. I'm Tara. And I'm Merida. Hey, everybody. How are you guys this hey! month? <laughs> yeah, that needed a little woohoo at the end there. Woo woo! <laughs> uh, I'm doing pretty good. So, uh, you know, these quarantine times, gosh, are they still strange? Um, but I'm actually traveling for work again this month. Now, don't worry. Going to be as safe as possible, but I'm honestly really looking forward to it. Uh, who knew you could miss being on a plane? <laughs> I mean, I, you spent so much time on a plane before this. I know. I like <laughs> live there. It's like your second home. So <laughs> you're allowed to miss your second home. But I'm only going to Boston. And, you know, the governor is requiring that you have a negative test within 72 hours or you have to quarantine. Um, I've already been like way upgraded. Thanks, Delta. Uh, so I, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about it. You know, Um so I think I'll be safe and good, and it'll be just exciting to have a little piece of normalcy back at this point, just a tiny one. I um, I don't know. I don't have much to report on here. I uh, I colored my hair purple. It looks <laughs> so, great. Uh, I love it. It looks the, so good, by the way. That's the stage of quarantine I'm in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've reached quarantine stage purple. <laughs> quarantine dyeing my hair purple. Uh, because why not? I'm working from home for the foreseeable future. And I mean, technically, it's not even against my company's policy, but I would probably get some raised eyebrows if I went into the office with purple hair. <laughs> you, no, you'd probably get a lot of people being like, your hair looks awesome because it does. Well, thank you. <laughs> what about you, Jeanette? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Things are a little like hectic around here where, you know, um, I don't think I've mentioned it on the podcast yet, but, you know, we're expecting baby number two in a couple of months. Yay! So we're, <laughs> I know, so excited. <laughs> um, so we're trying to balance um, prepping ba- for baby number two with, you know, hey, I actually have to go back to teaching soon. And what the heck is that supposed to look like? Because nobody knows. Yeah. Um, so it's been just a little bit hectic bouncing around here, but you know, in a good it's good hectic. It's things starting hectic. Learning right, new things right. hectic. And you know, you you know my inner nerd loves to learn. Again, a little bit of life returning to a small bit of normalcy, right? <laughs> I don't know that I would call it that, but <laughs> I love to learn. It's going to be it's going to be fine. New adventures. It's going to be a learning experience for sure. Yes. <laughs> well, during all of this craziness, are you getting anything read? Yeah, actually, um, I am currently working on Ray Bearer by Jordan Ifueco. Um, I won this arc when Y'all West did their online convention this year, Y'all Stay Home. It's um, <laughs> a really cute title, by the way. Um, I'm super into it so far. Uh, it's a fantasy based on West African mythology about a girl named Tarasai who is half jinn. That's not the um, the word they use throughout the book, um, but that's how they call her, her father the first time he appears. And he's basically granting her mother wishes. And her mother, her mother's second wish is that she has his child, basically, 
and raise it, then her mother raises her secretly so that she can send her to court to fulfill the final third and final wish, which is that Tarasai kill the crown prince of the realm. Oh, but when, yeah. But when Tarasai gets there, um, every, everybody ends up like, and she, Tarasai doesn't understand her mission until she actually arrives and meets the crown prince. And then by then she's already starting to befriend him and his court. And he asks her to join. And so now she has to figure out not just how to like overcome this magic that her mother has put inside of her to save like her loyalty to her prince, but she's got to figure out how she ended up in this position in the first place. Like what secrets are her mother hiding uh, and the reigning emperor, because clearly there's underlying court intrigue Mm. that she was raised up not knowing intrigue and, yes and it's like and now i'm i'm almost i'm a little over halfway through the book almost three quarters of the way through the book and now i'm finding out some of the intrigue and the secrets and they're just so juicy and it's so good Ooh. and it comes out august 18th so if you're listening to this on the 15th or 16th or 17th you still got a little time to wait but if otherwise like go out and get this book because it's really fun I mean, it Ooh. sounds like a great Leo season book, so I'm pretty much all in. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, and there's like, there's like magic. There's a magic leopard in it. Ooh. In case you needed, you know, extra encouragement. Like there's a Thank lot of, sort of big cat. Yes. <laughs> big cat love. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. That does but sound is, awesome. Is it as cool as the big cat in Children of Blood and Bone? Mm. Well... So far, there's only one, and like it's not like large animals are a thing. Okay, um, I mean that's fair. Yeah, there's only <laughs> so it's one like a normal big cat. It's a normal cool big cat. That's fair. That's well. Fair. I mean, he is still magic. He's the magic pet of one of the one of the um, characters. I love okay. a good magic pet. Yes, mm. it's nice. really, really cool. <laughs> so speaking of magic. <laughs> <laughs> uh i know i'm really late to this one guys like really really <laughs> really late but you know with the whole canceling of jk rowling and all of that stuff i was like you know who it's time to give a chance to who i just literally wrote off for no good reason because i was a loyalist back in the day percy jackson <laughs> <laughs> So I have been reading and going through Uncle Rick's books at breakneck speed. Um, I am through the entire first five at this point. Um, gosh, I've been sleeping on something really great. It's <laughs> Rick's writing style is so fun and quick and just, it's really good. And, and I know the first five are middle grade, um, but man still so much in there to love and if you are at all a lover of greek mythology you're just going to consume it have either of you read percy jackson and yeah. his series i've read the first five books um i kind of did i read the first one and i wasn't really into it because the first one like you said they're middle grade but the first one is like very silly uh, he's 11. And, yeah, it's like Yeah, and it, you know, and he writes it for, you know, the middle grade audience and so it's just super super silly. I'm like it's a little too silly for where I'm at right now. But um a friend of mine was really really into them and she was like, "No, you have to read them all. I love them. Read them all. I will lend them to you." 
So I went back, reread the first one, and then I read the second one, which he had lent to me. And I was like, okay, like once, like once you're in and you're like past the silliness, like it's actually a lot of fun. And they well, they are they're super quick paced. Um, I started reading the second um series, the like Heroes of Olympus, I think it's called the Lost Heroes of Olympus. Lost yeah, Heroes I'm on of book Olympus. one of that now. Yeah, I've read the first couple of books from that. I still have to go back and finish it. She was. She, like I said, she was lending them to me and we had to take a break in lending for some reason, maybe a vacation or something. Um, but um, yeah, I actually like that series a little bit better. So I really was have been dying to finish that. Well, that it, is fun. true YA, right? But, I mean, the, the, from from an audiobook perspective, it goes from being an eight hour audiobook to an 18 hour audiobook. So I feel like there's just more content there. There wow. is. And um, oh, yeah. there's a little bit, you know. There's a little bit of mystery mm. in the in that one. Like, um, there's a little bit of like, wait, you know, what's going on here at the beginning of the series? Like, where they actually have time my... to to figure out the mystery versus just living the mystery like they do in the the first book series. Well, it's more like you know, oh, I have to figure out my identity, kind of mystery. So I found mm. it like very intriguing. Um, mm. Yeah. So, you know, and you you know how I am about mysteries. well what about you meredith have you read them i have only read the first one i read that via audiobook not that long ago uh maybe a year or two ago well so yeah i'm kind of in the same boat as Jeanette. it was a little silly i might you know at some point i would probably read the rest it just wasn't high up on my list but i'm surprised you hadn't read them yet tara because at all I'm a loyalist, man. When yeah, I'm, but you love like the Greek I know. mythology. I know. Um, book two. If there's a if 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 all right. If people if there's any listeners out there who are like Meredith who've just read book one and haven't continued, let me just say this: book two is like a redux of the Odyssey, mm-hmm. and it's so fun. Like okay. it might be my favorite book of the series. So fun! Wow. Um, okay. I really had a good time reading that book yeah. well hopefully i can get to it because yeah i mean at least those do they all stay pretty short then oh through that yeah, the, yeah. That, that five are like epically short i nice. think number one is the longest audiobook hmm. good to know uh well an audiobook i just finished actually uh was such a fun age by kylie reed and it's actually been getting a lot of, it's been talked about a lot because it's on the Booker Prize long list, which is pretty mm. exciting, actually, uh, because I feel like it's maybe not something you would normally think about being on the Booker Prize, you know, list, because we've talked about those lists in the past. Once uh, upon a time, there was the word man in that prize, but they just felt exactly. like that no longer worked for them. Right. Hmm. Uh, So in this book, you follow Amira, a black 25-year-old who is a part-time babysitter for Alix, not Alex, Alix. Uh, (laughs) She changed her name to be special, I guess. I don't know. Um, She's a rich 30-something. So you're watching Amira as she is watching her friends land real jobs and have benefits and bigger salaries and they're kind of moving on and becoming adults while she feels like she's still stuck trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life 
And she's also worried about her upcoming birthday when she turns 26 and she won't be able to afford health insurance because she won't be on her parents' plan anymore. Um, and then it's juxtaposed with Alix, who, uh, you know, is a rich white lady who's like, a brand, you know what I'm, you know what I mean? Like she's like a blogger, influencer, whatever, right, right. like she is her own brand thing. Um, and so one of the first things that happens in the book, and this is in the summary, so it's not a spoiler, I wouldn't think, um, is Amira gets called in late one, uh, I think it's like a Saturday night, uh, to take Alix's three-year-old out of the house because she has to deal with like a small emergency. So she takes the child to an upscale grocery store down the road, and they're just hanging out in the grocery store. And um, another older white lady calls over security card to detain Amira because she thinks that Amira has stolen this little white child. Oh, my God. Or, you know, kidnapped, I guess, yeah. is the right word. Um, and so, like, it ends up getting recorded. Someone stops and records it on their phone like we do nowadays. Um, and so, like, it doesn't end in violence or tragedy or anything, but it's probably more like the type of racism that is like literally happening all the time. Um, So the story moves on from there and it gets really juicy. And so I don't want to spoil anything, but I really enjoyed the audiobook, and I feel like it touches on performative allyship, the transactional relationships you have with certain people. And like, honestly, like problems domestic workers faced with like health insurance and benefits and things like that, that you don't really think about. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. It's it's on the long list for the Booker Prize. I think the short list comes out maybe in September. So it'll be interesting to see if it if it makes it to the next round. But I would definitely recommend that. I'm also reading The Life and Medieval Times of Kit Sweetly by Jamie Pacton. And so this is a really fun YA. Uh, you follow high school senior Kit, who is a serving wench at a medieval times themed, you know, like restaurant. They don't call it medieval times, but that's what it is, right? Yeah. You've got, you know, you've got all of the performers and all of the knights and everything. And she wants nothing more to be than to be a knight in the show. But company policy is that only cis men can be knights. Uh, So during one of the performances, she secretly takes her brother's place as a knight and goes out there and kicks butt and reveals herself at the end of the show, like doing the whole like pulling the helmet off. I am no man. uh, (laughs) thing From Lord of the Rings. Nice. And so she's on a mission to get the company to change their policy so that she can become a legitimate knight. And so like it's picking up steam on social media because, again, of course, someone videotaped it and put it out online. Right. Uh, But then she's also dealing with family issues like her mom's about to lose the house and their power's getting shut off all the time. And like she doesn't know how she's going to pay for college. And she's also like falling really hard for one of her best friends when they had made a pact a while ago to not do that because it'll ruin their friendship but she's still fallen for him of course so i i don't know i think i'm about well i'm a little more than halfway through so we'll see how it all plays out if she gets to be a knight if she gets the man of her dreams if you know she can find a way to afford college all those fun things so i would definitely recommend that too that's been a fun audiobook so far and i want to also just give a quick shout out to uh kwami mbalia who actually speaking of rick riordan he is an author under Rick Riordan's imprint. He writes the Tristan Strong series. I was going to say, didn't he just, read his book? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he just started a 
Red Wall Read Along. And you guys know I love the Red Wall series. Yeah. Uh, it's, it was one of my favorites growing up. So uh, they're, they're going in chronological order for this, uh, which means we're not actually starting with Red Wall. We're starting with Lord Brocktree. Uh, oh. But <laughs> there's apparently a lot that happens before Red Wall. I, I knew there was a couple of books that were kind of prequels, but when he pulled up the list, I was like, oh, man, there's a lot of, because there's like 20 books in this series. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that happens before Redwall. And I don't know if I'll read all of them, but I'm excited to revisit some of them because it's, this is definitely with everything going on in the world. This is a time to revisit some books that you love, or at least I I feel that way. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of that sort of revisiting. So I, I just want to say also that like three years ago we got called out for never doing a romance and now I just feel like we talk about romance books all the time. All the time. I uh so good on yeah, us. this has been the year of romance novels for me. Uh because you know you're getting a happily ever after and right now I need that in my life. I get <laughs> yeah. it. it. It's a, it's I find, you know, and I'm a romantic at heart anyways, so I kind of find that that romance piece is kind of, it's it's comforting and it's encouraging, but it just makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need a little happy. Sometimes you need you a little do. happy. And I love yes. that, you know, I've been wanting to read The Life of Medieval Times of Kit Sweetly. So I love that you're reading it now. I think it's on my library holds list. I'm hoping it comes in because August is the perfect time for it because... August would be Renaissance Fair month. <laughs> oh, we're not getting Ren Fair this but year. But we are getting Quarantine. Life in Medieval Times. So. Oh, man. Yeah, it's true. I'm so. living vicariously through exactly. this book for so, my medieval needs. That's one of the other things D&D that I'm enjoying game. about um, romances is getting to do things in romance that I can't do in real life. Like when I read all the Jasmine Guillory books, it's like they're always going out to like restaurants and Getting cupcakes and things like that. It was like, okay, I can't do that right now. But I'm going to, like, pretend I am. (laughs) It's such a a thing that, like, that's our escapism. I love reading about people eating. (laughs) Going out to restaurants? What? (laughs) What is that? These were really, really well-described cupcakes. Oh, no, for sure. Her (laughs) books, the food in her books are fantastic. That is for sure. Uh, Now... (laughs) Let's have a little laugh before we jump into our, our topic of this episode. So I ran across this hilarious Twitter thread about a passage in a new book by John Boyne, who, uh, if that sounds familiar, he's the author of The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. So he's like a big time author. So his new book is called A Traveler at the Gates of Wisdom, and the passage that they highlighted uh, talks about ingredients to use for dyeing clothing red, and it lists spicy pepper, the tail of the red zillophos, and hillian mushrooms. So I then, wouldn't have... What? I'm laughing. Okay. Um, So exactly. I didn't get the reference, but apparently those ingredients are from a Legends of Zelda video game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so then the Twitter user just went on and Googled. She just Google searched ingredients, red dye clothes. And the first thing that pops up is a list of those ingredients from the, the Zelda game. 
So pretty much the author put video game dye ingredients into his historical literary fiction book because he was too lazy to do any deeper research and somehow no one caught that in editing. (laughs) And it's so funny because like, you know, I haven't even played this game, but I'm familiar with Legend of Zelda games. Um, And when I saw this thread, I was like, I saw because Octoroks are also mentioned in the paragraph that was highlighted. And I saw so I saw Octorok and I saw Hylian Shroom. And as soon as I saw Hylian Shroom, that's when I stopped. I'm like, because I was like, Octorok, that sounds familiar. I'll look that up in a second and kept reading. I kept skimming and I saw Hylian Shroom like, nope, nope. Going back, rereading this very closely. No more skimming. (laughs) And I had to read it like three times. And I'm like, nope, this is what I think it is. I just uh, saw how I came across this was I saw something like I saw like it memed like if you know what this is you know what this is and I'm like yeah I know what this is <laughs> wait but this doesn't belong here what what's going on and then I had to do some deeper research <laughs> it was right it's oh. so and, and so um the the author did he like his owning up to it uh he responded on twitter saying lol this is actually kind of hilarious i'm totally willing to own it something tells me i'll be telling this antidote antidote on stage for many years to come <laughs> oh. oh yeah do your research <laughs> glad he's like you know all right you know not just you know i'm gonna own it i'm gonna accept it you know but also just like you know i'm not just gonna be a good sport about this but i'm gonna use this this is like a learning experience i can use this on stage oh man good for him uh i mean what but what can you do at that point you you can't deny it oh no (laughs) like but the fact that he's not just like accepting it but being like you know what Hey, I can use this. <laughs> oh, man. So maybe if he had uh, researched his setting a bit more, he would have realized <laughs> that uh, highly shrooms are not available. <laughs> uh, so we're going to take some time now to talk about settings. Uh, the book we're reading this month, The City We Became by N.K. Jemison, is very much set in New York City. Uh So we wanted to talk about how settings kind of affect books. And so how important is the setting of a book to you when you're reading? Like what kind of details do you like to see? So for me, it really depends on the book. Um, Having a book set in a certain place, a certain time, it really can inform the story and the character's actions. Other times, you know, there's just a story could literally be taking place anywhere and it just happens to be set in a specific place. Like sometimes with, you know, you know, especially like with a like a genre book, like a like a mystery or romance, like if it's like it's if it's a locked room mystery, that locked room could technically be anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. So like it just happens to be set in, you know, Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie's London or something like that. So, you know, it it what I want to see depends on what the setting is supposed to bring to the book. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I don't know if settings are important to me or if just the books I like tend to favor a strong setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just so happens to happen. Um, but when I think about it, like I I don't love locked room mysteries. <laughs> 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't love small stories. And even when I do, I like tactile stories. So I, I really do like tactile stories. And in the end, I think that ends up being, um, you know, stories that maybe not like this book that we're reading where the cities are almost like characters or are, I won't spoil that, but you know, it not, it, it, they don't have to go so far as to be like cities are characters in this story, which there are some books that do that. Uh, but the, the setting has to be very real. I think if I'm to like it, I mean, and let's use a romance I've recently read, right? Red, white, and Royal blue. The, White House. You learn so much about the White House in this uh, in this story. You know, there's secret ways in and out, and uh, everybody's room is very specific. Like that's very tactile and to me. That's a pretty strong setting. Yeah, that that's a good mm-hmm. point because I feel like we're all pretty big fantasy readers here. I think we mm-hmm. also like literary. Uh, or I'm sorry, historical fiction, I should say. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I feel like those two kind of like setting is pretty important. And and of course, setting is also part of world building, which you see more in the genre side of books. So yeah, I agree with everything you've said. I think, yeah, all those little details really make a difference. They do. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, they, I mean, they really you, do. I like if, to feel like I am there, that I can visualize where I am, that... Um, you know, whether it's like the weather or the landscape or, you know, there's there's a lot of different ways you can do it. But like Tara was saying, sometimes you do actually see where the setting is a character. You know, like, what what does that really mean? <laughs> what kind of <laughs> books do you think fall into that category? Setting as character. I have a n- whole new opinion of that now, which is... <laughs> so this has been, um, so, you know... Background information for readers, like this has been a long conversation that I've been having for years. We have talked about this a lot. (laughs) Yes. Um, And see, for me, I think that the phrase, and I I may have even said this on the podcast before, but I know I've said it to you guys before. I think the phrase setting as a character is like an overused phrase. I think it's, I think many people, including, you know, authors or blurbers or whatever like they they use that phrase often to just refer to a specific or a well-defined a well-described detailed setting Mm -hmm. and that to me doesn't feel doesn't make necessarily the setting feel like a character it could make the setting feel real to me and tangible to me but if i want if i'm thinking of the setting as a character it needs to be part of the story not just when and where the story is happening, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It has to be, or even almost active. So to me, the difference is like, the difference between the Bay Area, which is the setting of all of Jasmine Guillory's books, and it's clearly well described. You know, she lives there. Obviously, she knows the area. She knows how it informs how characters think, how people live their lives, how they act. Um, And yes, it's well described, and it makes me want to you know, try things or visit the place, but it's not, it doesn't feel like it's part of the story in the same way that like the night circus does, which seems like it's reacting to the events around it. It's invested in Mm -hmm. the outcome of the story. And I think there can be some on the edge. The one I've been trying to think of, and I finally thought of it is um, Dan. I don't think you guys have read Danielle Ellison's um, Southern charm series. And she 
her first book in that one is the sweetheart sham i talked about it a couple years ago i think and she wanted her her town to feel kind of like stars hollow like in the gilmore girls so small town very quirky and you know you definitely get that vibe like there's a stars hollow vibe when you read the book um so i think it's like okay if she keeps writing these books and she keeps developing that that's i could see that you know that town kind of emerging into like a setting character but to me right now it's just a really like i just it's got a really strong vibe to me mm -hmm. which is good there's a big difference between a tactile environment and like a living environment yeah yes Um, and i think that's what you're trying to get i just think that you and i disagree on what what where the line falls on what what, like is a tactile environment and what is a a tactile environment i think lord of the rings right middle earth is very cool but it is essentially just grassy knolls everywhere and different things and there's beautiful (laughs) environments and it's really tactile um but i want to consider that pretty (laughs) <laughs> yeah, very, very pretty. I w- I want to visit. Uh, but it's not, and I have, in fact, I visited Hobbiton. It, it's not a character versus like Hogwarts Castle. Fight me. Hogwarts Castle is basically a character in the Harry Potter series. You know, it, yeah. there's a lot of emotion mm-hmm. associated. I agree with, with that. that place. Yeah. yeah. No, I, th- I think that makes sense. And do you feel like this settiness character trope or whatever you want to call it, do you feel like it might happen more in like horror books or scarier books? Like, especially like the haunted house is alive or, you know, things like that. Um, can you think of anything that would fall with that? I mean, lot. God, I don't read enough of this. Like so, Lost Girl has a very specific setting, but I don't know. I mean, I don't read horror books, but like in terms of like the house is alive and a house being a character, by the way, that we read in the discovery of witches, like that oh, house was very much a character. 100%. <laughs> great. That's a great callback. Yeah. That, that house definitively has an opinion. Yes. <laughs> right. Like, and so I guess, it was well, active. and then that's the difference too then. So like that, that house is like literally alive. Yeah. But since that's only a, a like a small portion of the book. Do you count that whole book as having like setting as character? No, or because like, like just that Oxford, <laughs> I don't feel that way about it, and I don't mm-hmm. feel that way about what's his face's mansion either. Like his right. fancy cool castle. Castle. So, um, yeah. So again, I I don't read scary books either. Obviously, I'm a scary <laughs> cat. But one that was read for us for the podcast was Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer, mm. and so I think like. There was some other weird stuff going on, but it did seem like the land was alive. That that place they go down into is like breathing, and uh, ooh, like, I mean, it, it, that is another case of literally the setting mm-hmm. is alive and making choices and doing things. Annihilation mm-hmm. is very that, um, right? And if you read further along in the books, it's even it's even creepier and crazier. Um, but you know what? You know what? Is the difference for me between something like Annihilation and something like you know the house in the Discovery of Witches is um, in Annihilation they make it very clear like this isn't like this isn't supposed to happen. This isn't normal, and it it's happening because of outside influence. Like when they leave mm. the Annihilation, the uh, what's it called Area X? Yeah, when they yes. leave Area X, like you don't get that same vibe. You don't get setting as character vibe. 
when you're in there, you get this feeling like, yeah, everything's alive, but it's not supposed to be. It's, and I think that's to me is the slight difference. It's like, it's not so much that everything, the setting has, the setting is alive. It's more like something is making the setting act this way. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, but does it make it less alive? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's, it's one of those questions where I don't think there's any clear answer. Certainly. Um, another book that came to mind, which I haven't read it in a while. So I don't remember if there was a thing that made it alive, but uprooted by Naomi Novik, the forest is very much evil and alive, uh, (laughs) which might've been by out, outside reasons i can't remember now but that was another one that i was like "Ooh, maybe this is like an actual setting as character uh so i think we can all agree that there's no clear cut <laughs> there's no clear cut I, I, I feel like that. like if the if the setting you're in is literally making decisions then that setting is literally a character yes but then literally. i think if you go at literally <laughs> and i think though if, if we're talking about the statement i think the statement is used to describe things beyond that um, and I think sometimes that's true at, or not. You know, I think the the circus is not literally alive. Mm-hmm. It's it's being magically manipulated by two magicians. And so it feels alive. That's not the right. same thing. Right. Um, the, the Hogwarts feels alive, but it's not. Um, Narnia, I, I mean, you could, that that's, you could cut that one. But like Narnia in general feels really alive and feels like a character to me. Uh, but is not definitely not making decisions in the book as a whole. Right. I don't know. So, I, I, I don't know where the line is. I think it has to do somewhere with emotion. Like do, mm. d- does me thinking about that place, that city, that area emote something or do I just think, Oh, that was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, so aside from city as characters, mm-hmm. what are some or city setting as characters? I'm already thinking about the book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what books have had some of your favorite settings and what, what did you like about them? I think we've already mentioned most of my favorites, like the night circus. Again, it was very like, it's very strong. You have very, it's, detailed at but like you know like tara was saying it's not really alive but it feels like it's coming alive mm-hmm. like it feels like it it's invested it, it, it in the outcome of the story and i love that about it i love that it feels like it's coming alive like it's a place i want to go just like narnia it's mm-hmm. it, it feels so strong and emotional and just captivating and to me yeah. yes and so there's, you know, there's something about those, that feeling where you make something not just real, but you make me want to go there, even if it's not a real place. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's books that I've read that are real places that make me want to go there. Um, but there's, it's got to be more than just, it has to be more than just a detailed description where I'm like, oh, yeah. I feel like I've been there. I feel like I know what that place is like. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I think a place where it's like, I don't believe this city is a character in the book, but man, do I want to go traipsing around it and having a great time is uh, the clockwork series by Cassandra Clare, that Victoria, London, you know, steampunky 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love it. I love. I loved it so much. I had so much fun going through the cobblestone city with uh, Will and Jem and Tessa. That I, I just want to do it. It's sad I can't. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a great example. I love. I love that series. And yeah, you're right. The 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 England feels so real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very England. It's so London. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah. I can feel the smog on my skin. (laughs) Like I've never, ever been to London ever, but I have always loved books set in London. So I feel whenever I get like a book with a strong sense of that city, I'm like, I feel like I've been there. I've never actually been to that city guys. (laughs) You're coming along with me one of these days. (laughs) One day we'll get you there. So one that takes place kind of in an alternate London, underground London, is Neverwhere by <sighs> Neil Gaiman. Neverwhere. And that one, right? So that one is so Perhaps. fun. I don't know if that one, well, I don't know. Does that fall into setting as character? I can't, it's been a while since I've read it. it, it but, I think it depends, right? I don't think yeah. it's setting as living character, but I think if it, if you feel think of Neverwhere and you feel like an emotional connection to it and mm-hmm. the night market and all of that, then, yeah, I, I feel like this is a very personal definition in the end of the day. Yeah, yeah it, it is, be. definitely. A- another night circus, uh, not night circus, <laughs> night market book is uh, The Star-Touched Queen. And I think that's a very rich, I did not love, love that book. I know I might, I might get yelled at for this. I did, it was a good book, but not one of my favorites. But I, on the other end, I did love the setting of that book. Mm-hmm. The setting of that book was stunning. Yeah, it was beautifully described. Yeah, definitely. Another one that we, no, I, I think maybe it was in the early times of the podcast, uh, The Golem and the Ginny by Helene Wecker was another one that was so descriptive and I just found it immersive. It's set in what, early 20th century New York City. Yeah. Er, yeah. And early, late 1800s, early 1900s, right? Something yeah. Like something that. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's not a time period we see a lot of. You know, it's always World War II, right? Uh, (laughs) So getting that early 1900s New York City, especially when she was walking around the city at night. And uh, yeah, it was that one was lovely. No, Um, I I love that book. I don't think that book gets enough love. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, I don't know. She keeps pushing back the date of the second book, but I was hoping the second book would give the first book some more you know uh coverage out there like people would start hearing about it maybe one day Mm. now (laughs) another one that might be a little different but it came to mind was infomocracy by malka ann older and so this is a speculative sci-fi where pretty much the entire world is a global micro democracy and it's made up of groups of 100,000 people who vote for the type of government they want. And so I've only read the first book in this trilogy, but in the first book, you go to a bunch of these different micro-democracies. And so in the heavy populated areas, you're only talking about a few blocks, you know, like, right. um, and it, you know, and so watching the setting change where he's like, he's getting like chased by bad guys or whatever and so he keeps going through these different what we would assume are neighborhoods but they are like different entities there like one of them he's like in a cab or something and they're like trying to outrun these people and then, then the cabbie like stops and he's like oh i can't go any farther because that that next intersection is another you know 
democracy and they voted that they don't want cars in there and so like he has to get out and like walk and you know like there's just different things and so i i don't know that one has stuck with me because i read that a few years ago that Uh, seems really cool actually it does it that reminds me of the city in the middle of the night a little bit Mm -hmm. right where you know i I was just just thinking about that one yeah Talk about an interesting setting, right? Yeah. Very interesting setting. I, I would, I might call that, even though I don't have a positive emotional response to that setting, I may call that a setting as a character because I definitely have an emotional response mm. to it. It terrifies me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, I guess in the end, it, it all depends on your perspective. But I, yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited to. Uh, to get into our discussion of the city we became, because I think there's a lot of interesting setting things to talk about there. (laughs) Yeah. And I am sure we will discuss them. Um, But in the meantime, if you want to check out our show notes, uh, you can look them up at eclecticreaders.fireside.fm slash 89. And you can find us on the internet. You can find the podcast on Goodreads, Litzy and Instagram at eclecticreaders. And on Twitter at Eclectic Read Pod. And where can people find you on the internet, Tara? You can find me on Goodreads and Twitter under my name, Tara Newman, T A R A N E W M A N. And you can find me on Instagram under Novelly Newman. What about you, Meredith? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Litzy under Mare the Book Gal, M E R E T H E B O O K G A L. And you can find me on Goodreads and Litzy at J-M-T-R-I-V-E-R-A, J-M-T Rivera. And you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Jeanette. That's D-R-J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. Uh, Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And we will see you next time for our discussion of The City We Became by N.K. Jemisin. Happy reading. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.